Hello and welcome to another episode of the Super Top Podcast. I'm Podrick, recording from Vancouver. And I'm Mushin, also recording from Vancouver. It's the end of your trip. One more day. It feels kind of weird. Yeah, how long have you been here? I mean, less than three months, but it was, yeah, start of February. We're approaching the end of April, and yeah, I'm going to hit the road again. This is the longest we've ever worked together in the same city. Yeah, totally. Did we ever do any projects in university together? I don't think we did. I don't think so. And I don't think we ever even really did any work together until you left Ireland. <laughs> I think that's right. I was kind of wondering how it would turn out, given that like we've never actually worked together in the same room for more than a week or two together. <laughs> I'm wondering if we'd hate each other, but it has been good. And we don't hate each other that much. Not more than before. Yeah, it's been great. Like The initial goal, I guess, of me being here was... Um, that we wanted to finish up Castro Tree, which included launching it. But about a month ago, I think we realized that, like, I guess time was a little bit more limited and that, like, if we wanted to launch it while I was here, we were going to have to finish it up within the next week or something from then. Um, so we postponed the launch until May. Uh, will we even announce the launch date now? Yeah, let's give people the launch date. Okay. <laughs> so on May 21st, we're going to launch Castro 3.0 in the App Store. It'll be a free update from Castro 2 for Castro 2 users. Um, we'll get into some of the more details of that later. But I guess the point that I started there was that we wanted to finish it up while I was here. And it's pretty close. I feel good that like a month ago we decided, hey, let's just spend like the last month that I'm here, like getting it as finished as possible. And then I'm going to disappear on holidays for a couple of weeks and then we can launch it like after that, as opposed to cramming all that into my last month here and then me disappearing like as the moment that we launched the app. Yeah, because if we'd done it the other way, the last three weeks would have been us submitting the app to Apple and then preparing marketing stuff and... Yeah, and we would have had to cut a bunch of features and ship with a bunch of bugs that we didn't want to ship with that we've since fixed. Yeah, so instead we've been able to just, like, code for three weeks, which seems like a better use of time when we're both in the same place. Yeah, totally. We can write blog posts separately. And it gave us a bit more freedom to be a bit more timely in terms of, like, when we contact Apple and let them know about our release dates um, in case, hopefully, fingers crossed, they, we might get some App Store love. Like, even today is official Vitici beta day, which <laughs> I don't know if you're listening, Federico, but yeah, we have an official Vitici beta in our release cycle, which will happen today. And that means we're now happy enough to share the app with, with Vitici and, uh, and his ilk. Yeah, this is, the, this is the day we send it out to as many journalists as will answer our emails, I guess. And we can do that when there's like still a month left until the thing is launching, right? And I mean, we told Apple about it about three weeks ago, which, I mean, that's the most notice I think we ever gave Apple about any release ever. And we always told ourselves, oh yeah, we got to be better, let people know like more in advance and stuff like that. And then it just comes down to crunch time. It's like, oh no, we're launching like in two weeks. So I guess we better get in touch with our App Store contact. <laughs> I feel comfortable sending this out to Vitici now because it is at a polished enough state. And, like, he's going to have three weeks or a month or whatever to poke at it. And, like, there's enough time there to really get a good feel for whether it works well for him or not. It's not like we're just releasing in three days and we're hoping he'll use it for five minutes and decide it's good. Yeah, so do you think we got more work done together or was it just nicer? I mean, it's really hard to be, like, quantitative about it. Like, whether what's more or what's like, um, like, especially, like, when you look back over a period of time. But, I mean, I think overall... My sense that I get have gotten like from the last few months is just it's just feeling like a much better like work life balance like for myself 
and managing to get into more of a of a schedule i mean based on like us working together during the day and then evenings and weekends kind of hanging out with friends or taking it easy or doing whatever like a lot of the times when we've been in different time zones and stuff i mean often like i wake up in the morning it's still the middle of the night for you and like i've gotten into a habit like over the years of working more like in afternoons and evenings and sometimes late into the night and stuff and telling myself like hey like this is the best way i know that these are the hours when i'm most productive Whereas then when we've been here, it's been more like, oh, yeah, well, Podrick's going down the office. I'm going to head down the office now. It's not a new concept. I mean, I think people have realized for years that it feels good to work during the day and then, like, not work at nighttime. <laughs> uh, but I didn't think, I remember even before I came over, we had this discussion about, like, how much our working hours were going to cross here. And I remember thinking, oh, maybe I'm still, even though we're in the same city, maybe I'll still want to, like, work the kind of hours that I used to do before. So, yeah, maybe Padraig will go down the office in the morning and I'll join him in the afternoon and stay there, like, into the night and stuff. But I feel like I've managed to appreciate and enjoy a lot more, like, actually... I mean, it's not like we start work, like, crazy early in the morning or anything. But for me, like, 10 a.m. is like, okay, this is new. So, yeah, this short version of that is, I guess, just, like, the, the feeling of balance from that and of, like, even when you and I don't necessarily, like, have a huge amount of collaboration to do on any particular day, even if it's just we go down to that office, we sit there, we're each working on our own tasks, even just that, it's been nice to do in the same room. And, like, when there's a little issue, just say something, or when we get exasperated at some API or whatever, there's somebody there to, like complain about it to, or to laugh about it with or whatever it's like we've been lucky to have the use of a friend's office so that we just have a room that the two of us are in as well so we're not just in some big open area or in a coffee shop with tons of distractions yeah i think that suits the way we work as well yeah so it felt very good to have our own our own space like that because i definitely get distracted from working in like busy environments there's only one time i can think of it. one time in my life i managed to like go to a coffee shop and really get into work and like worked for like nine or ten hours straight or whatever and was like wow i got so much done i think when your motivation is high you can kind of work anywhere but sometimes you have to just get through the boring bits and those are much harder to do when there's distractions around yeah i feel like i've got i've had a very good few months not sure what to attribute it to but it probably is just both of us being in the same place and having some regularity to all that okay well hopefully we can keep some kind of momentum on that even though we're not going to be in the same place for a while after this yeah, exactly. Maybe now it's just like, oh yeah, that was so great. And then I say this as I'm like about to go back to the other time zone. So where are you going to go next? Well, I'm flying back to Dublin tomorrow and then we're going on this cruise to Iceland, me and uh, my entire family basically. And slightly extended family as well. So I think there's like 13 or 14 of us going on this cruise from Dublin up to Belfast and the Shetland Islands and then a few places in Iceland. Um, so 10 days of that. Whoa. And apparently I won't have Wi-Fi on this ship either. So, <laughs> <laughs> Do you get on well with your family, like in that kind of context? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we'll definitely, we'll have a great time. But also I will have my own room as well that I can retreat to when, if things ever get too much. <laughs> right. I think your mom is a listener to this podcast too. So that was the right answer, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to have it like, yeah, we're going to have an amazing time. Definitely, ma'am. I promise. Okay. Back to super top stuff for a second okay so yeah i'm out of here that's the end of that section see you later lads uh but yeah i'll still record the rest of this episode first if this podcast had chapters which this episode certainly won't but if it did maybe it will maybe we could try that interesting idea <laughs> this would be the start of another chapter at this point so we could talk about some of the new features 
the Castro 2... Well, okay, I don't think we should... A month ahead of launching Castro 3, I don't think we should talk about what all the new features are in Castro 3 yet, but one thing that might be cool to do is talk about what's new for just Castro 2 users, because, yeah, they're the people who've kept us in business for the last two years or so. How long has Castro 2 been out? Yeah, about nearly two years, I think. So, yeah, we really we didn't want to leave them behind. Yeah, so, I mean, as we've discussed on previous episodes, we are moving to, like, a subscription model. So when we launch Castro 3, it's also going to include Castro Plus, which is the new subscription offering, um, where, which a lot of the new features are in Castro Plus. But there's a lot of stuff in the app as well it's going to be it's going to be a free update for castro 2 users and there's a bunch of stuff that they're going to get as well that's just hey welcome to castro 3 this is your new the new castro even we talked about not calling it castro 3 so much so i'm just going to call it the new castro okay um when i say castro 2 users i guess i mean people who've paid for castro 2 versus downloaded it for free after castro 3 comes out oh yeah totally We've talked about how we had to change business model in previous podcasts, so we won't rehash that. But one of the choices we faced was whether to make a brand new app on the App Store or to continue Castro 2. The only way we could really take care of users who bought Castro 2 from us was to keep it in the same app. And we want to do that. If we had made Castro 3 as a separate app, then there'd be two on the store, or we'd have to remove Castro 2 from the store and we wouldn't be able to do updates, blah, 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 details. So a bunch of the work we had to do for the features we wanted to offer in the Castro Plus subscription meant rebuilding some of the base level stuff in Castro. And people who paid for Castro 2 are going to get the benefit of all of that and continue to get the benefit of bug fixes, even if you never subscribe. If you paid for Castro 2, you won't lose anything in Castro 3. So you can opt into the subscription to get extra features that you didn't have before, but you don't lose anything that you had before. So we're not taking anything away from people who paid us already. Yeah, so there are a couple of features like night mode and um, enhanced audio that are in Castro 2 right now that are part of the new Castro Plus subscription. But anybody after Castro 3 comes out who downloads the app for free won't have access to those features without subscribing. But Castro 2 users will have access to those features forever, basically, because they bought them for Castro 2. So even without subscribing, they have those features and they have more than what a new free downloader of the app will, will have. And I just really hope we are able to communicate that so that like people don't see that night mode is part of the subscription and think that we've taken it away when we aren't doing that. There are actually some new features for users who bought Castro previously that are in Castro 3 that they just get to use. So you are continuing to get value out of whatever you bought before so behind the scenes i guess one big thing is this entire new player that we've written um well excuse me that you've written i shouldn't take too much credit for that but i mean i gave you encouragement along the way and told you well done that's true (laughs) yeah um what what are the main benefits of of this new player the biggest thing is that it's just way more responsive like you press play and it starts playing or you skip and it skips or you scrub and it scrubs and i think over the years just some delays had crept in on that in Castro 2. I don't think it, the degree of it had really sunk in with me until we got this new player working and it was just instant. So that feels really nice. Because we wrote our own entire player infrastructure, we weren't able to take advantage of the fact that Apple's AV player framework just does streaming for you. So we had to come up with our own way to do streaming. Yeah, if we want to just dive into the detail of that. I think it's kind of interesting for a few minutes and then we can get back to Castro 2 users. Well, I mean, one thing from the outside, I mean, before you talk about some of the details of it is like, I mean, streaming just starts way faster now. Like I actually feel like 
even if an episode hasn't downloaded yet i'm i feel totally good about like starting streaming it like there's two reasons for that one like it just starts streaming much faster but also before in the old castro if i started streaming an episode and i had automatic downloads on that was going to do two downloads basically it was going to start trying to stream the episode and it was also going to start downloading the episode as a separate thing and then at some stage i feel like once it had completed the download it would switch over and stop the streaming but there was all, a couple of like hiccups around that where there'd be a little jump in the audio when the download finished and i knew i was being a bit wasteful with data and stuff like that like for me as a as a user of the player i just like that like now if i start streaming stuff i know that it's just it's going to start quickly and it's it's not going to be like setting off two different downloads going basically yeah totally i'd forgotten about that double download thing but you were much lower down like in the implementation of this a new streaming uh, feature so there was questions and stuff that came up along the way about the best way that we should approach it and stuff do you want to go into any of that sure what's normally meant by streaming is that you are just downloading a little chunk of the data starting to play that and then downloading the next chunk and playing that and so on until the end of the episode so you're using the network throughout playback of the episode i guess on the assumption that the user might stop playing so you don't want to have downloaded You don't want to have wasted a bunch of their data allowance downloading something. And I think that's a pretty sound assumption in like a YouTube app or a lot of other apps, or particularly video ones where there is a lot of data involved as well. But in a podcast app, I think if someone starts playing an episode, and we we actually, this isn't just my opinion, we've seen the data from that Podcast Connect analytics. Once someone starts an episode, they generally finish it. So our approach isn't to like stream each bit as you move along. We just download full speed until we get the episode. But as we're downloading it, as soon as we have the first few kilobytes, then we start playing. So playback can often start like within a second or two, but then we still go and get the full episode so that on a good LTE connection or Wi-Fi, the episode still downloads in, about a, in like less than a minute. Then you're no longer worried about situations where you might lose your network connection. So you don't need to have a reliable network connection for the entire hour that you're playing back that episode. You only need it for the you know first two minutes while it actually downloads it. So that design helps simplify some of the rest of how things would work because for the most part, the player stays the same. It's just that we stream in the first few minutes of it while it downloads. That was a fun thing to, to design and it's led to something that, that plays very quickly. So even on a slow connection, this streaming process will still work fine even if it takes 20 minutes to download the episode. You really don't need a fast connection to stream audio fast enough to continue playing it back. For example, I've been able to test with the... There's a network link conditioner in iOS that developers can use to throttle how fast their network connection is. So I was able to set my phone to an edge-level connection. So that that was the pre-3G connection, and it was still able to stream, like, started playback after five or six seconds, and then never stalled after that. Now, obviously, there are different issues. You could actually be losing connectivity completely, so it's not like you'll never, ever have it stall, but it's just because audio is not that big, generally, for most podcasts anyway. Streaming is just fast enough, basically, is is what I'm trying to say. And one other adjustment that we were able to make was that, like, if we are streaming an episode, that we, like, pause all other downloads at that point. It's like, okay, this is the most important thing. Let's get this down, and then we can worry about getting back to downloading the rest of the things. I mean, that's an adjustment we probably could have made, like, even with the older system, but there would have been more awkwardness around it because we still want the user to be able to go offline with the episode they're now playing. But whereas before, that had to be a separate download. Now we can just prioritize the one thing that's 
streaming slash downloading that at that time pause all the other downloads for that might be going on until that's finished and then let service resume as normal yeah and that really helps too with not saturating the connection with like four different downloads at the same time in case you've queued a bunch so yeah before this version of castro i had been i was just never ever streaming in castro because i knew it would be slow i would always wait for the download if i had queued one just before i left the house i'd kind of hang around for an extra few seconds just to make sure it was downloaded and now like that's gone i just press play and walk out the door and it works i'm i'm really happy with that but that's a bug fixed more than it is a new feature but it's still still really nice to have there's a bunch of like other things that this new player let us do. I mean, we, some of those are in our Castro Plus features, but one even in particular, which is still going to be there for free for Castro 2 upgraders, is that the enhanced audio stuff is like way better than what it was in Castro 2 and, and doesn't lead to like the performance issues that it did in Castro 2 or to like to any of that weirdness. So having this player infrastructure has let us like build better stuff on top of it and Castro 2 users are going to benefit from that for being able to use enhanced audio with, without any of the bugs that that brought with in Castro 2. Yeah, this new player, like, it's a new world. We own all the code that can have the bugs in it now, so we can fix all the bugs. <laughs> On one hand, that's scary because it's more responsibility, but, like, it's such a relief to be able to know that we can fix anything that comes up. So having all that new player in there, but then using the same old player screen would have totally blunted any impact of it i think so at the same time you've been working on a completely new player ui screen and that's come along amazingly well and the the transition from the main app into the player is yeah i guess i want other people to say this about it about it so that i'm not but yeah the transition between the player and the main app is just probably one of my favorite transitions i've seen in ios well i mean i mean i think the transition is sweet but i think even just the whole even just the functionality of this new screen I'm super happy with it. I think going back and looking at Castro 2 now, I feel like that screen was never quite fully realized like the way we wanted it to be, even down to conceptually and hierarchically. <laughs> That's a difficult word. I feel like this screen is like closer to now a realization of what we wanted it to be in Castro 2. I mean, it has big artwork on it, which is not what we wanted in Castro 2, but I'm so happy that we have it here now, especially when it comes to like chapter artwork. Oh, I'm not supposed to mention chapters. Oops, don't mention chapters. Anyhow, big artwork. Thumbs up. I'm enjoying that. And then, yeah, we I think we discussed on a previous episode, like, the decisions that we had to make around, like, how do we get this big artwork and then still have access to all the different controls and the different functionality. I feel like we've landed somewhere really good with this, where we've dealt with, like, these issues of discoverability and stuff like that. We've also added a couple of little flourishes for, like, how to get to, like, extra like show notes and how to get to her podcast settings and things like that. Oh, I keep mentioning features that I'm not supposed to be mentioning. It's hard to talk about this player screen without uh, talking about some of the new features on it. But I think even just visually, it's like such a big improvement over what we had before. I mean, I would venture so far as to say this is like my favorite screen that we've designed in any app. Yeah, just opening up lots of things that you kind of need to do from the player screen you can do them all now so it's good the fact that we've got the whole stack from like the player's been rewritten with a bunch of new features and then all the way up to the ui having new features like i feel really good about just delivering that as one one big update one thing that i'm really happy about with this new like the new screen and the, like the new transition to it is that it like it finally realizes the like the visual hierarchy that we like set out to have in Castro 2 like for example our player bar is like underneath our tab bar which is the reverse of how it is in like many other apps 
And we had like very good, solid reasons for why it was like that. But they weren't always like reinforced by the UI because previously, even though that player bar was like looked like it was underneath everything, when you tapped to expand it out, it pushed on on top. That was down to our like limitations on like how much time we had to like get Castro 2 out the door in the end. But I think now all that is reinforced and the idea that the player stuff is behind and there's the new gesture to like bring it up and dismiss it. Yeah, overall, I think it just like makes the whole structure of the app feel a lot more co- coherent. Yeah, and that's all stuff that like people who broadcast or two guess whether they subscribe or not. And then there's another thing. We've also made a watch app. Now, it doesn't do offline playback, not because we're against offline playback, but just because it's basically impossible to do well. We might look at it in future, but it's not there now. But what it does do is it's a remote control for Castro. You can play and skip, uh, see what's playing now, and then you can access the queue and start a new episode, which is the main use case for it for me is if I'm on the bus and my phone's in my pocket and I don't want to pull it out because there's people piled up against me, I can just look in my queue on my watch and change to another episode really easily. And it's been a nice a nice thing to have. I really wish that it was possible to change the volume from a watch app. It's not something Apple makes possible. That's the only thing I miss is by just using the default now playing screen in watchOS 4, you can uh, roll the crown and change the volume. But if you use the Castro watch app, you lose that feature. Here's holding out hope for WWDC and iOS 12. Yeah, so maybe that'll... The two things I'd love to see on the watch are like the ability to change the volume and then there's a few other developer details about how to do offline playback i'd love to see those things and then we could really do something cool with the watch but we've landed on it and we have some useful features so and yeah castro 2 users get that yeah i think that app came together very nicely in the end as well i mean we started working on that a long time ago but then we weren't sure about putting it in to an earlier version of castro so it sat there for a while and we went back to it recently to kind of polish it up and make sure it was going to be like fine for castro 3 and I like the simplicity of the structure. We're not trying to recreate the iPhone app there. We're like trying to like just give access to like the most important like playback features like from your wrist. Not trying to offer you any way that you can do stuff that would take you like ten or fifteen seconds to do. You're not gonna like drill down through all the podcasts in your archive to like find an old episode that you want to listen to. But we've been able to like give access to like some of the most important features and like even just on the I can't remember what it's called, but like the force press menu or whatever. Like from there you can like start the episode you're currently listening to or tap archive if you're done with it and then move on to another episode that way so i mean there's a bunch of little things in there that just for like two or three second tasks that you want to do while you're listening to podcasts or while you're about to jump to another one you'll be able to do from your wrist now so nice to get that out the door yeah it's nice to be there and yeah it's a good place to build up from with watchOS 5 or if anything else comes out that we can make use of. And of course, there's like a ton of bug fixes in here. Well, I don't mean to imply that we had a ton of bugs, but well, we did. So, but they're all fixed now. And there's no new bugs, right? Well, they're fresh bugs. So Castro, anyone who bought Castro 2 before, your bugs are fixed. And there's also a fresh batch of them. So you're not missing anything. And I guess that's one. I mean, actually speaking about even just about bugs and performance improvements and things like that. I mean, that's one of, I think, the main benefits of us releasing this as a like an update rather than like leaving Castro 2 go aside and launching this as in like a Castro 3 separate app is that like as we continue to fix these bugs and make performance improvements and refine the design of the app all that stuff is going to like keep getting pushed out to, to Castro 2 users whether they whether they subscribe or not so yeah I feel really good about that I think we're I think we're looking after people who supported us so far and then the Castro Plus subscription stuff is if you need those advanced features, you can opt in. If you don't, you can keep using the app as you were before, but it'll be way better. 
So yeah, hopefully that yeah, this this transition to subscription is gonna be interesting and I think we're just trying to do our best to I don't know, to have it, it go well for everybody. Our current users are our best, just the best people that there are. But also, the first early batch of subscribers, I think, is going to come from current users who are really happy with us, who see the new features and immediately want them and just subscribe. So I think, yeah, from, from that perspective, we really need to look after them. I think we're doing everything we can with that. Yeah, I mean, we've been thinking about that since the start and we've been trying to make sure that, like, I mean, I'm sure people, we're going to piss some people off. Um, I guess it's inevitable, but, like, we really are, like, since the start, we've been trying to, like, figure out, like, what's the best way to position this and how do we, like, make sure that we don't end up, like, leaving people, like, feeling jilted. Max Seelman from Ulysses app, there was that good interview with him on the um, SAS Open Mic podcast that we were listening to yesterday. Somebody sent us a recommendation for that on Twitter. I can't remember to tweet right now but thanks it was a, yeah it was a good episode to listen to but one of the things that max pointed out in that episode was that like when they transitioned ulysses to subscription that like new customers who came and like saw the subscription price and i mean they didn't get pissed off they just they just decided based on the value proposition okay is this something i want to pay for or not and sometimes it was sometimes it wasn't but there wasn't an anger there but that the anger came from users who had previously paid for the software and were unhappy with the new business model. And I guess what we want to do is like try to hopefully like alleviate as much of that as possible. I mean, like we don't want to take anything away from Castro 2 users, uh, whether they want to subscribe or not. We think this is the best way for them to keep getting like good updates and improvements. The one thing still in my head that I can imagine someone being annoyed about is the hypothetical person who buys the app the day before we release Castro 3 and we make it free. So they've paid $5 and now if they had just waited, they would have got it for free. So that that one still goes through my mind sometimes, but then there is kind of an answer for that, right? Well, I mean, there's Night Mode and Enhanced Audio, which they have and other people who download it for free don't. I guess we'll probably encourage people who have that problem to just ask Apple for a refund and hopefully they'll get it. Yeah, I guess that's that's... That's our only recourse there. There was a thing on that Max Seelman interview where he said, at a certain point, people who just don't like what you're doing will find things. that They'll figure out what the little injustices in your system are and they'll like latch onto those if they just don't like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a point where I think you have to just stop worrying about it and accept that you're going to annoy some people. So yeah, I try to think about that too. So then that just leaves people who just don't like the concept of subscription, I think. Like that they, they want the new features, but they don't like subscription. So that that's one thing I think we are just going to have to accept and deal with, right? Yeah, that's where people are going to have to decide, I guess. It's not going to, not everybody's going to want to subscribe, clearly. Maybe even if they want the features, they'd think they're not worth the price that we're going to charge for them. Um, which we should emphasize is, what did we decide the price is going to be? Like a dollar a month? Yeah, it's a do- well. I mean, it's based off the idea of being a dollar a month, but it's so, but it's like quarterly, so it's three dollars for three months. Um, or if you opt to go annual, you save twenty five percent, and you get an annual for nine dollars essentially. Yeah, so nine dollars a year. The first time you subscribe, you'll get a seven day trial. So, so you can try it, make sure the features work as you expected, and make sure they're all good. And then if they don't, you can cancel the subscription, and you didn't pay anything. And if you're still happy after the seven days, then you'll be billed nine dollars a year. Which is, like, it's definitely doing that thing of a price rise at the same time as a business model change. But, like, yeah, man, 
that's the time to do that. <laughs> well, I mean, this business model to change is the time for us to be like, okay, like we need to try to get this to definitely be a sustainable place. I mean, I think we've said this before. We're not. It's not that we're making a ton of money off Castro, and now we wanted like just like get even more. We're still at a point where, well, number one, I will say I'm super happy that we still managed to like work on this thing. Like for the last few years, it's been supplemented by doing some contract work from time to time um, and from previously from having other apps. Um, but now we're at a point where it's just Castro and we care about this thing. We want to keep working on it. And this business model is our attempt to be like, okay, please let's be able to convince enough people to subscribe that we can like keep making this thing not that like everybody's going to subscribe some people aren't but like hopefully enough people do that castro can continue to improve for those who subscribe and for those who don't i mean there's always going to be benefits there even for users who aren't subscribing and there will be users who don't think that it's worth paying what we want them to pay to subscribe and i mean that's at least we'll have, still have a free tier for them. Previously, if users thought $5 was too expensive for an app up front, that was the end of the road, basically. They wouldn't even get to try Castro. Now they can try it for free. They can even continue using it for free. Yeah, it's going to not to go for too far back into the business model stuff, but I, I am excited that people will get to see 90% of the app and even with the free trial, 100% of it before they have to decide whether to pay or not. Like It's so much better than just like looking at an icon in the app store and being like, oh, it's... Those five screenshots or ten screenshots are pretty good. I'm going to pay money now. Oh, we should start wrapping up soon enough. But we mentioned uh, WWDC earlier and like looking forward to hopefully maybe some new watch stuff. Yeah. Is there anything else about it that you've been thinking about or you're looking forward to? Yeah, I have like a shopping list of small, tiny things that won't be the headline stuff that Tim Cook announces or anything. But like, for example, yeah, the watch stuff. Even on the beta, as soon as we said we had a watch app, a bunch of people jumped and were like, "Oh, do you have offline playback?" As if somehow we would got past the limitations and made it work. Yeah, I guess some people. I mean, I guess it's fair enough that some people aren't as aware of the limitations as as we are. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. That is the feature for a podcast app on the watch. And we should actually, I think, thank Marco for that blog post where he really specified in a lot of detail exactly what's wrong with the current uh, implementation with, with the current options. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We will link that blog post in the show notes. It's It's been a good reference to even just point to people when they ask for it, because it's like, no, everyone wants to do this. And the only way that sort of works is David Smith's um, Make a Workout app, which is just not what we're going to do for Castro. It's a podcast app. so It's been a good reference as well, even just in terms of like managing our own expectations, like not to like get too excited and be like, oh, no, I'm sure we can definitely like figure it out. And then I've read that blog post a couple of times and been like, okay, I will consider my work having been read this blog post and I'm not going to put more developer hours into it right now until hopefully Apple brings some more stuff with iOS 12. Um, other things at WWDC I'd like to see are, I think there should be Siri stuff for controlling podcasts. We've filed radars two years in a row, or the same, I've I filed a radar as soon as they announced the Siri Intents in 2016, and then I refiled it in 2017 as a duplicate. Um, I know other podcasters want that too. Uh, it seems like a pretty obvious feature with HomePod. It would be a thing people could use their HomePods for. But yeah, I guess the, the big rumored thing is Marzipan, making it easier to write Mac apps or Mac share UI between Mac and iOS apps. I'll see. Maybe they'll do a great job of it, but cross-platform UI stuff is notoriously a bad idea. So yeah, I'm curious to see that and see like 
what it exactly it ends up being how exciting it ends up being as well like i don't know if it will be like maybe this is like too big of an inflection point to like start wondering if it'll happen again but one thing that it has brought into my mind is like just remembering in 2013 when we went to san francisco together uh, to wwdc for the first time and we went there with the intention being to go to san francisco for the week uh, come up here to vancouver and then start working on a new mac app and then all the iOS 7 stuff happened that week and we got so excited about iOS and about that Apple was doing something really exciting in this direction and we changed course completely and we're like, okay, no, we need to make an iOS app instead. And that was the start of Castro, essentially. Yeah. It just kind of makes me wonder if maybe like in June there's all this like really exciting Mac stuff and we st- start thinking, oh, this is the time we need to, we should focus on a Mac and we're like, okay. Castro for Mac, we've got to do it, we're doing it now. Yeah, totally. I love being in a position where we have something launched and stable when WWDC happens each year. Like last year, Drag and Drop was announced and we, well, you did all the work for this, but we were able to jump on that immediately and then have really great Drag and Drop for September. So yeah, and again, this year we're going to have Castro 3 out and then we can, yeah, whatever they announce, if it makes sense to integrate with our app, we'll have a a clear schedule to to do that and if not there's tons of other stuff we we know we want to do so i was thinking that like when so ios 12 is going to be announced um and previewed and then that'll be like six versions we'll have like six iterations of an ios 7-esque os which is be like as many as we had like before the the big shift huh not that that's significant or anything or really suggests that there's going to be some major shift in like the visual language of iOS soon. But just in terms of my own perception of history, iOS 7 still feels like recent in some kind of a way. But I'm excited to see what they do because it might be good. Um, it's hard to judge it in advance. If you assume Apple's going to do bad stuff, then if they change a big thing, you're going to assume it's bad. If you assume they good stuff, you'll be excited. So yeah, I'd rather just see it. So. Do you think next year they're going to call it iOS 13 or they're going to like... Oh, they'll skip it. Just go straight to 14. <laughs> yeah, I wonder will they come up with some new naming scheme just so they can avoid a number that people are superstitious about. I'm getting silly and giddy and uh, maybe it's time to go do some, uh, like, I was going to say actual work, but I mean, this podcast is actual work. Yeah, it's exhausting. Um, So, yeah, we'll fix some bugs and ship this thing. Yeah, thanks for listening. We remember we used to like sign off these podcasts and be like, hey, leave a review.